Welcome to the latest Daily Wager Extra podcast. We are taping this on 12-12, December 12th, the night of, after a week 14 now with one remaining game. And so far, it's been a basically a bloodbath for the house as the public fared quite well. Favorites ran an impressive run. We'll get into all that with ESPN researcher Mackenzie Kramer. Coming up in a little bit. And... Uh, had some wild endings as well, and obviously some bad beats for some of you out there. So without further ado, let's get into it and bring in Mackenzie. And uh, Mackenzie, I hope you are licking your chops and, and, and fat wallet after the public did quite well this Sunday. Well, I had to do some recovery after betting Amanda Nunes yesterday, So, uh, but <laughs> I'm typically an underdog better, so this was also not a good week for me in the NFL, but uh, like you mentioned, favorites, unbelievable week for them. On 12-12, favorites go 12-1 and outright, 11-2 and against the spread. This includes the Thursday night game. It's the best week all year for favorites. The only loss was by the Panthers against the Falcons. So another unbelievable week for favorites. Well, really the first unbelievable week for favorites this year. It's just the second time all year they've had a winning record. And this week, by the way, big favorites, favorites of at least three and a half points, nine and oh against the spread this week. And over the last two weeks, they are now 17 and two against the spread. So all week on the show, all season on the show, we talk about how well underdogs have done. Well, we're starting to get a little bit more regression back to the mean. So it's going to be interesting to see how that trend continues the rest of the year. And it was the higher profile teams like the Cowboys, the Bucks. The uh, the Chiefs cover big numbers. The Packers on Sunday night, what an incredible turnaround from a point spread perspective, outscoring the Bears twenty four to three in the fourth in the second half, and only a late field goal when Nagy was down eighteen to kick the field goal on fourth and eight, uh, snuck that in inside of eighteen, and then obviously the line being eleven and a half, some people were rejoicing. Um, Nagy punted on fourth and inches. Uh, early in the fourth quarter, there were a lot of questionable decisions in that game, but that 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 was probably a big blow to the books. That Sunday night Island game, popular team like the Packers, Aaron Rodgers has obviously owned them over the years, and uh, he certainly has delivered. I believe he's now twenty-one and seven ATS in his career against Chicago. Yep, twenty-one and seven ATS. They've won and covered six straight meetings, twenty-three and five straight up. And not only did the favorite cover that game, but that game flew over the total and actually went over in the first half. It's the first game in the last two years that went over the total in the first half of the game. In fact, the second quarter had forty-five points. The over/under was forty-three. So I mean, the second quarter is all you needed in that game, or all you needed was Green Bay because they had forty-five points in that game. But another big, another uh, a big favorite caps the night for the public this week. Combined 75 points, the second largest combined total in this rivalry's history. We'll touch on this. I guess Aaron Rodgers is going to make a case for the MVP. Four touchdowns, no picks, 341 uh, through the air, 29 of 37. So certainly an efficient game in that regard. It was the defense and the special teams that really struggled and and dug themselves a hole against Chicago and how the Bears were able to get a halftime lead, but just – too much pack, and then the defense did step up in the second half for sure. But that was a big nail in the coffin in that game. But let's go to earlier in the day. A lot of wild ones. I want to start with the Cowboys because they were up comfortably. Dak throws a pick six. Then it starts to get interesting because this line was four and a half throughout most of the week. Closed, what, six and a half? Correct. So it got really interesting with a conversion at the end. 
Yeah, moved from four and a half to six and a half on Sunday morning. Game lands on seven, but the Washington missed an extra point that would have given Dallas or would have given Washington the cover in that game. By the way, the total in that game landed at 48. So that extra point also would have pushed against the final total. So a lot of a lot of implications in that final extra point that didn't go down. But the Cowboys improved to 10 and three ATS in the season, eight and no ATS in conference games. So big win for the Cowboys in that one. Yeah, kind of what we expect with the Cowboys, right? Their offense had struggled in the games with just, you know, when, when Cooper and Lamb were out, like the cluster injuries. That certainly hurt them against the Raiders on Thanksgiving. And then they kind of got their, regained their mojo, but just kind of, you know, you had to prevent victory sometimes on offense. And that's what happened with Dak and company. They, they played the clock more than field position, and that would have been fine if not for the pick six. So Heineke was looking for the backdoor cover, even the win maybe with Ron Rivera and company. So that was the first of two meetings remaining for the Cowboys in Washington. So Dallas really basically won the NFC East, I'm going to say, tonight. They already had a two-game lead, but getting that win was certainly significant. Keeping with popular teams, the Chiefs have now won. We had six straight now and four straight covers. Uh, the, the Chiefs, uh, yeah, we are at uh, – there are four straight covers and starting two and seven ATS, six straight outright wins. There's a there's a lot of Chiefs trends that are pretty fun. Like, they've been so bad against the spread for a long time, but they're yeah. finally starting to turn around, led by that defense, which has been unbelievable lately, allowing a, less than 10 points or fewer in four of their last five games. Who would have thought it with this Chiefs team? And during this six-game win streak, they haven't allowed more than 17 to anyone. It was the Giants that got 17 in that close – Monday night win at home, but this one was not close. 48-9. to Raiders obviously won at Arrowhead a year ago. Things have certainly changed. The Chiefs came in with that mindset, to your point, leaning on that defense. Mahomes, uh, he's been good against the Raiders this year. Remember, he had the five-touchdown performance in Vegas a couple weeks ago. This game was just two touchdowns, 258. So I don't think he's going to be in the MVP discussion. I think he's kind of playing himself out of it, given Brady, who we'll get to in a little bit, and Rodgers are back into it. But you never know. There's still a handful of games left. For them. So the Chiefs, any notes on this game other than the ones we've already mentioned? 89 points in two games against the Raiders for the Chiefs this season. That's pretty darn good right there. Uh, a couple of things with that game, too. Chiefs, it's their third straight home cover after they had failed to cover their last nine home games. It's their second straight cover as a favorite of at least seven points. They had failed to cover their previous nine games in that spot. And spinning it forward, the Chiefs are now minus 230 to win the AFC West with the Chargers are plus 200. Those two teams will play on Thursday. L.A. already upset Kansas City earlier this season, so that'll be a one of the better Thursday night games this season coming up. All right, so looking forward to that. We'll keep it moving here with the uh... – Interesting covers and certainly effective. Let's go to the Bucks game. That was the afternoon slot. Bucks were dominating. Bills chip away, chip away, chip away, force overtimes. Could have scored a go-ahead touchdown the final half minute around the five-yard line or so. Had to settle for a field goal that did force OT. Bills win the coin flip. Punt. Bucks come down and then get a walk-off touchdown when they only needed three. And it was, I believe, the first catch of the game for Perryman, Brent Perryman, so uh, wild, wild scene. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, say that again? Brashad Perriman, Brent Perriman's kid. Yeah, okay, uh, Brashad Perriman, I apologize. Uh, old habits die hard. <laughs> so that was his only catch, a 58-yard walk-off touchdown, and that's a huge cover for the house. Again, Bucks were three and a half. They were three during the week, but three and a half. It would have been a lucky cover for the Bills for sure when they were getting blown out. But still, at that juncture, you're thinking field goal. Brady's going to move him into field goal range. Maybe even a tie, and you get the plus three and a half. Instead, it's a Bucks win and cover and they're inching towards the one seed. Obviously, you've got Arizona Monday night against the Rams. That's certainly in the mix as well. Yeah, the, the bat line hovered between three and three and a half all week. Like you said, it actually closed at three at Caesars. So that's what we're going with. So that overtime touchdown didn't matter what spread you got on Tampa Bay. They they covered, and it's their fifth straight cover as a home favorite. And uh, 
something that I found interesting about this game is uh, Tom Brady helping the Patriots win the AFC East. Patriots move uh-huh. to minus 400 to win the AFC East after that game. The Bills now three to one. Bills are Bills fall to 15 to one to win the Super Bowl this year. That's the longest price you could have gotten them on them at any point dating back to when the odds were first released back in back in February. And we talked about how uh, Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. Well, Tom Brady continues to own the Bills. 33 and three straight up 2012, 22, 12 and two against the spread in his career against Buffalo. So another big win for Brady and yeah, Brashad Perriman, you mentioned him. He got cut by the lions. He got cut by the bears and now he's scoring game winning touchdowns in overtime from Tom Brady. Heck of a life for Brashad Perriman. <laughs> Fitting, right? Um, so that was certainly, so we, these are some of the big handle games, right? Bill's bucks was now that had some bills money too. It wasn't all lopsided in favor of the, uh, home team there by the public. There was definitely two-way action on that game, but just like the big numbers got there. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Broncos against the Lions, 38-10. Maybe a flat spot like we talked about on this very podcast a week ago. Detroit feeling themselves. But they also had some COVID issues, some roster uh, issues there. But the Broncos needed the win, took care of business and altitude. Anything stand out there? I know we know like Bridgewater is a dog, but double-digit favorite, he covers. Well, he had never been this big a favorite in his career. That line closed 12 and a half. It's the most he's ever been favored by. Teddy now 42-20 and 20 against the spread in his career. Like you said, we like we like him more as a dog. We like him more as a road dog. But, you know, gets, gets the job done here. This line steamed up all week. It was as low as eight on Monday, closed 12 and a half. Um, it's also the first time this season that the over hits from the Broncos cover. Typically, when Denver wins, the game goes under the total. And the other thing, too, is when Denver's a big favorite under Vic Fangio, they, they seem to take care of business. Now, 4-0 against the spread when laying at least six points under Fangio. Uh, keep it moving. Saints, another popular play. How about that? You're, you've lost five straight games and you're laying about five and a half or six on the road, but such is life when you're the Jets. You touched on it on this podcast a week ago. That defense is terrible. Dead last in defensive efficiency, dead last in yards per point play allowed, yards per game allowed, and points per game allowed. And that defensive efficiency ranking, they're like five points clear of Jacksonville, who's at 31. So distinctly the worst in the NFL, and the Saints took a while to get going. Big second half, late touchdown by Taysom Hill. Cashes yours truly's best bet on daily wager, which was over 23 and a half. So I was sitting at 23, but a nice winner there for the uh, best bet. But really, the Jets are inept. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, you mentioned the defense, and the, and that that and the defense actually played pretty well earlier in the year. So the fact that they're that much worse than everybody else just shows how badly they've been playing recently. I was also on the Saints team total in that one. I wanted to be on the game total. I I, set, I put that out on the column on uh, ESPN.com. 
But then as soon as I wrote that column, I saw Elijah Moore got placed on IR like right after that because he was trending toward playing. And then all of a sudden he's out. He's basically the only player playmaker the Jets have on offense with Michael Carter also out and Corey Davis also out. But really the story of this game is down the stretch, we almost had one of the worst bad beats of the year with the over in this game. You mentioned the Saints team total. Well, I don't know if you watched the end of this game. I don't blame you if you didn't, but no. Taysom Hill ran for a 44-yard touchdown yes. with a minute seven left as the Saints that were trying I to saw. run out the That clock. I saw. Did you see the Jets and drive that ended at the one-yard line with Zach no, Wilson I got getting my team tackled? total and flipped. <laughs> Zach Wilson scrambled, was tackled about you know a half a yard short of the end zone, and if he had scored there, the game would have gone over the uh, closing total of 42, but instead it stays under uh, with 39 total points in that one. Yeah, two touchdowns in the final minute would not have been good. I had a horrendous beat, one of my all-time. I had a second half under in the Niners-Bengals games as we, as, as we shift to that one. was made the game line 47. I mean, you're sitting 2013 with like five minutes to go, whatever it was. Somehow I lose 40, 40, under 47 in overtime. But uh, the Niners had the lead. They were up two touchdowns. Bengals did everything they can and come back and force OT. Incredible conversions by Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who I've been saying has value at Offensive Rookie of the Year. This is not a done deal with Mac Jones. The narrative is Belichick for New England success. Jones has been fine, but look what Jamar Chase is doing. He's top five in a bunch of categories in the league, not amongst rookies. He's been outstanding. Yes, some drops here and there, but if he continues to play like he did on this Sunday, I think it, like, I think last week he was like plus 350. So I think there's value there for Jamar Chase, but ultimately, after the Bengals get a field goal in the opening possession, Niners walk it off with a touchdown, so nine points in overtime for me to lose by two on my under. Not that that's the storyline, but the Niners get the big win and the cover because they became road favorites uh, throughout the week with the Joe Burrow uncertainty. So an interesting sort of swing of money line in that game, and it lands on the total or maybe close to it, depending on what you uh, what the closing line was. Yeah, we actually had that line closing at 49, so it pushed okay. on the final total there. Uh, we mentioned earlier the over the overs have gone 9-3 and 1 to the over this this week. You know, that that one, depending on when you got the line, that one could have could have gone over. I touched on the Jet Saints game. That was one of the games that went under. That could have that was a yard away from going over. And the Cowboys Washington game was an extra point away from pushing. So it could have it could have been an even better week for the overs this week. But um, yeah, so it's just the 49. The Bengals were as long as 12 to one on the live line when they're down 14 in the fourth quarter. The Bills were 25 to one. So in the four o'clock window, we were looking at two games where we could have had some wild comebacks in the fourth quarter. Neither one ended up coming true. But um, to mention to touch on Jamar Chase, though, he's now the fifth player since the 1970 merger with a thousand receiving yards and 10 receiving touchdowns in his rookie year. Odell Beckham and Mike Evans both did it in 2014. Beckham won Rookie of the Year that year. Randy Moss did it in 1998. He won Rookie of the Year that year. So there is a bit of a precedent for guys like that, though. Justin Jefferson had arguably the best rookie year ever by a wide receiver last year, and he didn't win it. So uh, it's going to be a bit of an uphill climb for Chase. But when Mac Jones only throws three passes on Monday and, and they still win without him, you know, yeah, that's got to be a knock on Jones's Rookie of the Year case. You would think that they can win without him like that. Yeah, but but some people were saying that wasn't necessarily a strike. I don't know. Uh, but I, I just think Jamar Chase is certainly live in this one, in this discussion. Let's go to Seahawks-Texans. That got some money. That was my best bet on the podcast, Daily Wager Extra, during the week and throughout the show, and I gave it out on SportsCenter. Just love the situation. Davis Mills stinks, and he continues to stink. Now Seahawks pulled away in the second half. Definitely a big fourth quarter. But uh, Russell Wilson looks like he's healthy finally. Played a couple good games back-to-back. Seahawks win 33-13, easily covering the number that certainly steamed up Seahawks were nearly double-digit road favorites by kickoff. Yeah, we had that line closing nine and a half. It's so rare for a team with a record as with Seattle. They were four and eight entering the game now, five and eight. 
They were the first team in December or January with a winning percentage that low to be favored by over a touchdown in the Super Bowl era. So an unprecedented line there with Seattle. And uh, I got to say, I didn't really watch much of the game. I don't have a whole lot of the notes in this game. But one thing with the total, it's the second straight time the Seahawks have gone over the total. They had been an under machine earlier in the year at 9-1-1. And uh, the Seahawks play at the Rams next week. So the 5-8 and eight Seahawks, it's basically a do-or-die game next, next week for them uh, in L.A. Yeah, coincidentally, the injury occurred when the uh, Rams are playing at Seattle and Russell Westbrook, uh, excuse me, uh, Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson heard it. I believe it was a Thursday night game that the Rams ultimately won in Seattle. So there was a bad beat, a significant one at the dog pound. Browns were laying two and a half or three, depending on the number you got throughout the week. And they were in control of this game as Lamar Jackson left the game in the first quarter, I believe, definitely first half. Brett Huntley, the uh, Utah quarterback, replaced him. And then it was... A giant backdoor as the Browns did not even score in the second half after leading 24-6. to And Ravens could have kicked a field goal, instead went for it, and just a sequence of events that really burned anyone laying the two-and-a-half with Cleveland. Yeah, we had that line closing at three. They're 24-3 to deficit in the second half, 24-9 deficit in the fourth quarter. I did like how uh, Harbaugh went for two the first time they scored a touchdown, down 15. He gave a great answer after the game, talking about why he did it, basically saying you want as much information ahead of time so that way you know, hey, if we don't get the two, we can plan it out like, all right, we need to score two more times to actually win this game. And actually, as it turned out, it ended up being very important because – They scored the touchdown with a minute 17 left to Mark Andrews to cut it to two. And then they got the onside kick after that. If they had, they, you know, waited to the two point conversion after the second touchdown, not gotten it, they might not have saved time for them. So actually they gave themselves a chance to win. Obviously it didn't happen, but it did happen for the betters of the window as for with one of the worst backdoor covers of the year or one of the best ones, depending on what side you're on. Yeah. Just a wild ending given Lamar Jackson, it got hurt and sneaks over the total to lands 46 and then over under 44. I've always defended that. Um, I also think coaches get deference on that because so much of it is nuanced. You may love a play that you worked and set up the fake of it on that drive or your star quarterback needs a break. So maybe you kick it then. So I think those, those situations, um, a lot of it is nuanced and based on like player situational. And so I give coaches a lot of deference in that situation in terms of going for two. But what Harbaugh said, I certainly understand. If in all things being equal, if it's going to be the same outcome, go 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 run the play now so you know if you make it or not. Therefore, it gives you information for later in the game. Everyone always assumes the two point conversion when they say, "Oh, it's a two score game, down fifteen, things like that." It's like you don't know that. Um, so I, I think we need to reassess that. What's that? I I like to call it a two and a half score game or a one and a half score right, game. Right. Yeah. 2.1 or something, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so a couple other games. Titans, Jaguars, kind of as expected. Titans all over the Jags. A lot of turmoil and reports surfacing surrounding Urban Meyer. What else is new this year? It's been a, a total roller coaster. Titans off the bye, kind of buttoned up performance, needed a win. Obviously, things aren't the same without Derrick Henry, but they got back on track, at least at home against the Jaguars, had to take care of business, and they did. That's all they could worry about taking care of business, and they did. They covered the, what, eight and a half. A lot of teasers on that, too. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the good teaser bets uh, came through this week, too. We talked about the Bengals, plus one and a half, moving to seven and a half. Uh, the, Brown, the Ravens were plus two and a half a lot of the week. That was an, a common thing to tease up. The Falcons, which we'll get into a little bit, that, teasing them up. I mean, they would have covered anyway, but a lot of the, the co- 
common teaser lines uh, came through this week as well. But Tennessee's now 4-0 against the sp- uh, spread after a buy under Mike Vrabel. Uh, but the Jaguars, I mean, eight straight unders for them. That offense is completely inept. The under is now 11-2 and in Jaguars games this year. They're now 4-9 against the spread. And next week, you could take them as a favorite since they're playing the Texans. So wow. Jaguars laying three in that one right now. Remember, Houston won that game in week one. So I don't know. That's <laughs> taking the Jaguars. I don't know what's uh, less appealing, taking the Jaguars as a favorite or taking Houston uh, getting only three points. But the other thing, too, with that game is uh, the Titans play in Pittsburgh next week titans are laying two and a half in that one i'm i'm leaning pretty heavily toward pittsburgh in that one i would love the three but i i I don't i don't trust this titans team i didn't i wasn't impressed with them today i'm not impressed with that offense the defense obviously they shut jacksonville out but i think that has more to do with jacksonville just being completely inept offensively i'm not sold in this titans team at all come playoff time so i'm thinking i'm going to fade the next week in pittsburgh a couple other games to just finish off this sunday Panthers-Falcons, I watched basically nothing of this game because that was my intention, and I'm glad I didn't. Although it had 50 combined points, I will say some interesting plays. you got a pick six in there. But I wanted no part of this awful, awful game. And do we have anything from a points perspective? That was the one upset, right? That was the one upset? That was the only upset. So if you did a money line parlay on every favorite, that would have been the one game that Cam Newton continues to struggle as a favorite, 10-19 and 19 against the spread as a favorite of the last five years, losing record outright, 14-15 and 15 outright. And with the Panthers, each of the last eight times he has started with Carolina as a favorite, he has lost the game outright, including all three times this year. They tried benching Cam Newton at the end of the first half for P.J. Walker. Walker probably comes in and throws an interception so <laughs> the Carolina is just a mess the quarterback situation right now and one other trend that I've been liking too is home favorites have under a field goal this year so one to two and a half points out those lines often look juicy you think hey you know I get the home team under a field goal they're six and 14 outright and ATS this season so those home favorites those really small home favorites they might look appealing but they have not been good this year and uh, we'll have that same situation on Monday night so we'll see uh, how that trend goes tomorrow And finally, the Chargers do cover. Big number as well. Usually not what the Chargers do, but when the Giants are involved, anything is on the table. And it was Mike Glennon. This game got crazy at the end, so second half unders got burned, but the Chargers win 37-21. And uh, Joe Judge's days have got to be numbered, right? And one, I tend to, I, I agree. I mean, it does, it seemed, he's getting a lot of heat in the New York media recently, and and for good reason. He used to be really good as a road underdog. He started his career eight and one against the spread as a road dog, but they're now one and four ATS in their last five games in that spot. Mike Lennon, I believe, is a one and fourteen outright in his last fifteen starts. Giants are just a mess right now, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, Chargers Chiefs on Thursday night. So that that'll be a fun game between those two teams. It certainly will uh, tomorrow night. Arizona, two-and-a-half-point home favorite to the Rams. I just question this Rams team in terms of what the odds makers view it, right? I think the power rating is just out of whack. They, this team was favored at Lambeau a couple weeks ago. So as much as you want to say, oh, the house knows something. Why isn't it three? It's two-and-a-half. I just wonder if this is one of those teams that's just going to be uh, poorly rated the entire year in terms of accuracy. Like We saw that with Wisconsin the majority of the season this past college football year. They were favored over a touchdown against Notre Dame on a neutral field. Now, Badgers end up playing well at the end of the year, but I just wonder if this this is too good to be true, so to speak, because the public is certainly on the birds. Well, depending on how many points you give for home field advantage, I mean, it's, maybe it's two and a half. Like that basically says that these two teams are equal. And based on everything we've seen from these two teams, the Cardinals are the better team. I, I don't know if that's actually true. We'll find out how that is in the playoffs. Obviously, the Rams have had a lot of moving parts during the season, losing Robert Woods, adding Odell Beckham, adding Von Miller. But 
I would lean with Arizona in this game too. I haven't made a bet. I don't think I'm going to make a bet on this one. Arizona's nine and three against the spread this year, four no ATS in the division. Sean McVay started his career eight no against the spread against the Cardinals, but back in week four, the Cardinals took care of business and, and dominated the Rams in that game. So that trend uh, doesn't have have as much teeth as it used to anymore. So uh, going to be a real fun game, though. A lot of uh, NFC West implications in that one, though. Arizona's minus 12, minus 1,200 to win that division. So uh, Arizona wins. It'll basically be locked up. Um, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm very interested to see how it all plays out. That That's what I'm interested because in, I'm curious whether this two and a half was just a sucker bet for all the public because, oh, the Rams bounce back. Where's just the Rams power rating so off? I like the Cardinals. Don't love it, but I like it a little bit. Um, okay, that's going to do it. Really good recap, McKenzie. Awesome stats. Did I miss anything? I think the one thing that we didn't really touch on is the MVP race. We, we mentioned a couple guys, but uh, Caesars released their new MVP odds after tonight's games. Tom Brady, minus 175 favorite. It's the first time all year we've had an odds-on favorite in the MVP race. Aaron Rodgers, 7-1. to one. Kyler Murray, Mahomes, 9-1. to one. Then Justin Herbert, 16-1. to one. Josh Allen all the way down to 20-1 to one as his MVP odds continue to plummet. But it looks – I mean – I've said for a couple weeks in the show, this looks like Brady's award to lose. He's number one in all the statistical categories among quarterbacks. He's on, he's Tom Brady. You want the narrative that you want to give it to an MVP that old. You want to give it to Tom Brady. He's only won a couple MVPs in his career. I think Brady's clearly the favorite for this award. I think minus 175 is fair. I'm on record saying that I don't think Aaron Rodgers has much of a chance to win. Even if he, even if the Packers get the one seed, I just don't think the media is going to want to vote for Rodgers to win that award. And then Kyler Murray, nine to one, he's missed a couple games and Patrick Mahomes, nine to one. That that's a little bit intriguing, but if Tom Brady's putting up better numbers than Mahomes on a better team, I, I don't know what Mahomes' path to win that is. So I think that's a pretty fair odds for Tom Brady and MVP at minus 175. And Mahomes' numbers haven't been that remarkable, at least certainly by his high standards. Exactly. Um, I mean, he's great. Don't get me wrong. He's Patrick Mahomes. But it's just not the same Patrick Mahomes that won the MVP in terms of statistics. So it's not like he's just putting up great numbers and a slightly worse team or something like that. The defense, like we talked about earlier in the pod, has certainly been carrying that team. At least that's the narrative. Mahomes has been solid, of course, against the Raiders. He was really good. So that's going to do it for this edition of Daily Wager Extra. Appreciate everyone tuning in and of course we have the 10 minute version monday through friday continuing along and we'll be back on linear television tuesday 6 eastern on espn2 we hope you join us then 